the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good evening and welcome. Welcome right on back to our Itsy Bitsy Teensy Weensy Saturday evening show. So glad to have you here. I'm Randy Corcoran. You're a pumped up purveyor of principled, passionate patriotism. Every single day, unafraid to continue to push back against the corrupt, coordinated, Democrat-controlled media machine. And then especially the folks who, you know, you'd kind of think would be on the side of America on the side of truth, on the side of actually having open and clear debate, being willing to talk things through and uh, and learn by moving forward together. But, man, there are some folks who aren't, and that's why we're here. What a show we've got for you last week. After many of you know, Republican National Committee, man, I'm the uh, Tea Party guy that somehow managed to worm my way onto the Republican National Committee. And when I got there almost two years ago, I was really quite happy to learn. No, gosh, well over two years now. I forget it's a four-year term. But when I got there, I was very happy to see that there was probably about 20 to 25% of folks who were there that didn't come out of the George Bush, George H.W. Bush Republican Party, the George W. Bush Republican Party, the Mitch McConnell And now, sadly, Mitt Romney Republican Party, that instead there were folks who were really interested in preserving the Republican platform, making it stronger, holding our politicians accountable for the promises they make during their campaigns and for their so-called commitment to that very strong pro-life constitutional free market. I know Donald Trump kind of made a mess of that, but still (laughs) fair trade. Not just free and open trade, I guess, is the new mantra, but really committed to making the Republican Party stand up for what it has claimed to be for a long, long time. And then just a couple of weeks ago, I flew off to Dana Point for the election of a new chairman and co-chair and on down the list of new leaders for the RNC. And I was voting for change. I voted strongly and argued and articulated and had the opposition, Harmeet Dillon, Mike Lindell on the radio show, had the reigning chairperson and the one who won re-election, Ronna McDaniel, on the show. In fact, we did a New Year's Eve pre-recorded show where we had all three. And, but I was very open with her, uh, Ronna McDaniel, with anybody who you know called and tried to push or press me one way or the other, that I, as the Tea Party guy, the grassroots guy, the guy who started on his couch, walked precinct, worked at re- precincts, worked in the war room for the Republican Party on election day as a lawyer, um, and worked my way sort of just up the food chain until all of a sudden being the accidental Republican National Committee man who in a five-way race won with almost 45% of the vote. So I was happy to get there, find out there was about 20, 25% of folks like me, fairly new, focused on the Constitution, holding these politicians and the Republican Party accountable. 
we went through this election and uh, I voted for change because that's what the people that put me in place told me to do. I probably have a thousand emails, maybe more. And, and it was just, it wasn't even close, you know, over 90%, probably in some cases, 93, 97, 98% of people said change, whether they said Mike Lindell, the business whiz or Harmeet Dillon, the legal whiz, we want change didn't happen. And so I was on the receiving end after the vote that reelected Ronna McDaniel of some hateful email. I'm done. I'm out. You let me down. I mean, people, I, I don't know where they come from. They, if they know me, they know I was standing up for the voice of change. But in any event, last week on the show, we went ahead and had Harmeet Dillon and Mike Lindell both back on the show. We spent a little time with Kurt Schlichter as well, the townhall.com, uh, Salem host, townhall.com, and, and uh, fiction book author, he just a strong lawyer. I mean, he's just a, a good guy and a good friend who was very disappointed in the outcome, was very anti-Rana McDaniel. And we, you know, we aired it out. And one of the things that we walked away with, that I walked away with, anybody who was listening walked away with, is both of the failed contestants. None of them said, that's it, I'm done, I'm focusing my energy, my money, my resources elsewhere. Instead, they all said, look, we have a presidential election coming up. We have the most favorable Senate map for Republicans that you can imagine. Remember, in 2022, Democrats had to defend only 13 seats. Republicans had to defend 20 or 21. We elect a third of the Senate every time. So there's either 33 or 34 running, depending on what year it is. In 2024, the presidential year, that map, that number flips, and it flips big. Because in 2024, Democrats have to defend 24 Senate seats, and Republicans only have to defend 10. So with a 49-51 Senate, with that kind of a map, just so many opportunities. So for me, and it's part of my job, I'm on the RNC, and I've had my complaints, and I'm very vocal about them. But we also have to take advantage of the tools and the structures that we have in place. And the RNC is a massive one. It is a billion-dollar get-out-the-vote machine. That's what it's designed to do. And it's taken on a lot of other roles. And so, as especially as an RNC committee man... I intend to continue to make the case for the RNC. Not that you need to send money there if you don't feel like it. It, it helps. The small donors are massively important to the RNC. But the hate, the I'm done with the Republican Party, man, we just can't have that because it's too important what's coming up. And we have some very exciting opportunities. And so our very first guest coming up here in about seven or eight minutes will be the newly reelected chair of the RNC, the Republican National Committee, the National GOP. Ronna McDaniel joins the show, and uh, we are going to talk some th things through. The opposition, the losses, the people that uh, are angry about all of it and want to walk away. 
at least we're going to start off that way. And I don't know how much time Rana has. We don't ever pre, uh, at least we've never pre, you know, set up an interview or we've got this long or these are the questions you're going to ask. I just never roll that way. Uh, but then I want to make sure that we end with people who have doubts about the RNC understanding just how much was accomplished by the RNC, victory-wise, election integrity-wise, gathering, adding voters, adding victories. I know there's a, there are a few hurts out there, but massive victories for the RNC, massive increase in voter turnout. We won the national popular vote. If it had been a presidential year, we would have won the presidency because of the states that the Republican Party won in 2022. And it's important to be aware of that so that to the best extent possible, you know, support the candidates you love, walk and talk and call and, and write the checks for them if that's what you choose. But don't let's not let the internal hate and strife get in the way of what is a remarkable opportunity for us as we head into 2024. And that's why I want to sort of round out the two challengers last week that we had with the winner and future leader for the next two years of the Republican National Committee, Ronna McDaniel, on the show. She will join us here in just a few minutes. Can you lower that down just a little bit for me, Lewis? I would really appreciate it. I um, have another exciting announcement for you, though, and uh, there's a new challenger, a Republican in the presidential race, officially announced a serious candidate, a friend of mine. And I'm, you're going to have to guess the name or you're going to have to wait until 6 o'clock because he, well, I shouldn't have said the gender. Well, he could change his gender by 6 o'clock. The candidate already in the race, the first announced official competitor to Donald Trump will join us at 6 p.m. And then in the 7 o'clock hour, you, I don't know if you knew this, but... Uh, Benghazi war hero and my good friend John Tig Tigan has thrown his hat into the Colorado Spring, Colorado Springs mayoral race. He will join us at 7 o'clock, so it's going to be a very busy show. If you've got questions for Ronna McDaniel, download that 710 KNUS app and text them to the studio. I'd love to have some smart questions to toss at her. I've got plenty, of course, but if there's anything at all on your mind... I recommend you download that app and text them to the studio right away. Texts are already coming in. Good evening, Alexa. Always good to hear from you. What a glorious evening, by the way. Man, I'll, I had to wear sunglasses still coming into the studio. It was light out still, 52 degrees. One of the reasons we live in Colorado, because it can get nasty and then it gets nice. In fact, my kids were my kids and grandkids were out on dirt bikes today. I found out about it just a little too late to join them. Tis a privilege to live in Colorado in spite of Democrat control. Anyway, we've got a packed show for you. want you to stick around. We'll get to some calls as well. Our phone number, 303-696-1971. 303-696-1971. We're going to cut out a little bit early so we can have a good long segment with newly reelected RNC chairwoman Ronna McDaniels when we return here on 710 KNUS. If I wasn't such a cruising fool, I think we'd have to replace Radar Love with that one as the theme music for this show. 
because you are damn right we're not going to take it anymore. So much going on to push back against the radical left. Welcome back. 522 Randy Corcoran. Text messages pouring in. We'll get to some of those later on in the show. Our phone number 303-696-1971. I'm sure most of you know. You and I in a little toy shop Buy a bag of balloons with the money we've got Set them free at the break of dawn To one by one they were gone Back at base, box in the software Flash the message, something's out there Floating in the summer sky 99 red balloons go by Literally, it would have been the topic of the weekend, except they shot the dang thing down. We will dig into that a little bit later. Been some interesting takes from folks on that. But if you're a regular listener, you know that um, New Year's Eve, we did a special pre-recorded uh, show that included interviews with the two challengers for the RNC chair position, uh, Harmy Dylan, almost said Harmy Daniel, Harmy Dylan and Mike Lindell. And we also had the current chair on at that time, Ronna McDaniel. Then last week, after the vote, after the meeting, in our sort of recap show, we had the two challengers on again. And uh, man, oh man, I am so glad that tonight we can kick off the first hour of the show with the winner, the reelected, newly reelected chair of the GOP RNC chairwoman, Ronna McDaniel, joins us now. Ronna, good evening. Great to be with you. That song, that 99 Lust Balloons, I forgot about that song. It's like a throwback to my teen years. Yeah, and it's perfect for this uh, this balloon saga. Man, what a joke. The, the weakness that uh, America portrays under creepy, sleepy, touchy, feely, weakly acting Joe Biden. Yeah, who, you know, who knows what's going on with Joe Biden and Hunter and China. And now we've got this balloon that travels across our country spying on us, who knows what, and then we shoot it down when it's over the ocean. Never mind shooting it down while it's over our, the, the, the length of, of the United States of America. There's just weakness coming out of this administration, and it's why we've got to win in 2024. When I looked at the trajectory of this thing, and, and apparently this is and this is from, you know, left wing mainstream media, AP and other reporting outlets are saying that it literally hovered over an area in Montana where there are three military bases sort of hustled around and the claim at you know, gathering information, three bus school bus sized information gathering panels on the outside of that thing. And, you know, I, I wanted him to, sh to bring it down early, but not destroy it. We need to get it on the ground, look at it, and see what it really was designed to do. But uh, I guess that's nothing you and I can do about that except replace the weak leadership that we have in 2024, as you said. And you were, man, you were reelected in a big way to help us do that job. So let's talk about it a little bit. The final vote tally was, I think, if I recall just from memory, 111 people voted for you. Four for Mike Lindell. That would have left, what, uh, 70, 51. 51 for Harmeet Dillon. When I was um, asked to run for RNC committee man, you know, I was the Tea Party guy, the grassroots guy, the, the radio talker guy. Um, and I got into this five-person race and ran against someone who had run for Senate here in Colorado, Eli Bremer, um, a former 
um, majority leader, the one-time recent history that we had the majority in the Colorado State Senate. In a five-man race, I got almost 45%. And there was some significance to me about that, that among the thousands of voters who vote on that position, um, that that many would select me out of that race. You sort of sent the same message with your victory, didn't you? I did. And, you know, when I ran for Michigan chair or national committee woman in Michigan, we were elected at a convention level um, in Michigan as well. So it's thousands of people. Um, but if the RNC members know us all, they know what the RNC does. I think there was a lot of misinformation about what exactly the RNC does. You and I have talked about this. We, we're not the coach. We don't pick the candidates. The voters do, which is the right thing. We don't call the plays. The consultants and the campaigns do. But we do build the stadium, voter registration, election integrity, things that are really, really critical, that infrastructure that's already being built for 2024. And it was a vigorous race. Uh, everybody, there was passions on every side. Harmeet and Mike are great people. And I hope they stay engaged. We want them to stay engaged because we need all of us and then some to win in 2024. Well, I was very heartened by my conversations with both of them. Uh, they're both friends. I've worked uh, legally with Harmeet. She's been a tremendous asset to our law firm. I've had one-on-one uh, -on -one conversations with Lindell and done work for his uh, legal defense fund. So, you know, I feel a closeness to both of them and both of them in the interviews last week that gave no indication of walking away or trying to tear down the RNC or tear down, um, you know, the person who's going to be leading us for these next two years into the very important races coming up. So I was I was glad to hear that because, man, we've got an awful lot of work to do. And, and we do. you really knew it because when when opposition started coming out, I think you said you felt like you had about 100 um, RNC members that uh, were really strongly in your camp and would likely stay there. And you came out with 111 uh, out of the 168. How did you know? Well, um, one thing people don't know is I'm very good at uh, whip counting. I probably should be a whip one day for, for some type of legislature. Um, I had to whip votes all the time when I was Michigan chair for our policy committee to our state central committee. And I was on the phone whipping votes for my own race and um, not my campaign. Me, I went through my whip count every night. I knew exactly where I stood. I knew people who I thought maybe there or not, but I was very confident um, in the numbers and that the numbers had actually grown from when I first announced. But why is that? Because the members understand the change that has happened since I've been chair. I am a grassroots chair, despite what all the media has been saying, some of the, the miscommunications out there. I came from the grassroots. I love knocking doors. That's where my heart is. I believe in strong county parties, make strong state parties, make a strong RNC. So things that we've done to strengthen our state parties through the GROW program, things that we've done through voter registration, the minority community centers we had, like the one we had in Colorado in the Barb Kirkmeyer district. These are things that are new to the RNC that we've never done before on top of for the first time ever being able to recruit and train uh, election month operations, which the RNC did. Harmeet was a big part of that on our legal efforts. So these are new things that have happened. The members know that. One thing I've learned from this is we've got to do a better job communicating with people across the country what exactly the RNC is doing, because I think the members are really heartened by what we've been doing, and that's why I have the support. But I'm going to get on the road, and we're going to make sure we take that through the country and keep everyone engaged. Talking with Ronna McDaniel, the RNC newly elected, our re-elected RNC chairwoman. And, Ronna, there's, there's so much nastiness that comes out in these elections. And, you know, I get it. Uh, 
politics is is a bloodbath. It's a blood sport, and uh, it gets nasty. The hard part afterwards is knitting everything back together. But I would like to talk with you before we get into some of the remarkable statistics uh, of the actual successes of the RNC under your reign. Um, I'd like to talk about some of the nastiness that came your way. And one of the things that really ticked me off after meeting you and hearing your family story, your grassroots story, your Michigan story, was people tie, you know, calling you Ronnie, Rana Romney McDaniels, always trying to saddle you with your uncle Mitt Romney, who um, you know has has disappointed conservatives in some of his decisions and some some of his votes. And I don't know if you share this story publicly or not, so tell me if I'm off base here. Uh, but your history, your your family um, history, is is very very interesting. Would you like to share some of that with the listeners? Sure. You know, I'm very pr- proud. My grandfather, George Romney, was governor of Michigan. I'm very proud that, that that's my heritage. He was born in Mexico, ended up running a car company, never had a college degree, running, uh, being governor of Michigan and running for president. But, you know, my mom's name is Ronna Romney. People don't know. I'm a junior. Women in my family were named after our moms. And when my mom divorced my dad, Scott Romney, um, when I was a teenager, um, she decided to run for Senate in Michigan. And my grandfather, who was my hero in life, um, uh, endorsed against my mom. And it was hard to watch my mom with five kids, um, you know, being accused of using the Romney name and all the things that came her way after she'd been married to my dad for 25 years and work on her campaign and watch her have to cut up credit cards and be a single mom. So um, now to my Uncle Mitt's credit, he came and campaigned for my mom and so did my dad. And in the end, our family healed after that very difficult time. And what I say to Republicans all the time is what we have um, that divides us is, is, is not even close to what we have that unites us. And in Joe Biden's America, you know, if my family could come together after that, our Republican family needs to come together against what's happening in Washington right now. When we are watching our kids be masked up or being kept out of school or our border agents, I had a letter given to me from a wife of a border agent talking about the traumatic stress that he's dealing with, seeing babies um, floating in the Rio Grande, kids who are dying through traffickers and not being able to get the support he needs from our government, the the inundation at our southern border, uh, when you see the crime rates at the level they are, when you see a, a Democrat party that is leaving our Constitution and our freedoms behind, you know, we will have differences within our party but we have got to come together. And I think that is one of the mantles of why I ran again and why we are going to need to do everything we can to make sure out of this presidential primary, all of our candidates come together supporting the nominee. Whether you're from the Romney wing of the party or the Trump wing of the party, we need everyone and independence to win the presidency. I, uh, if you know the name of this person, don't give it. But uh, are you aware that there is an official opponent to Donald Trump now in the Republican presidential race? Uh, I, I don't know. There's well, an official one. You may want to be tuning in at 6 o'clock because he or she or whatever gender they decide to be, you know, it's so fluid these days, will be joining us at 6 o'clock. And, okay. uh, and I'll text you the name after the show. He's a legit, okay, text me, yeah. A legitimate dude. I, I know him well. And, uh, oh, I just gave away the gender again. Well, maybe they'll switch. Okay, you did. You yeah, did. Oh, don't Randy. I know. But I do know there's more coming out. Yes. I've had, we've had several calls. I, you know, I've talked to several campaigns. And so 
you know, the RNC has another very pivotal role. We need everybody coming out of this primary cycle to say it was fair. Our process was fair. The calendar and the rules were put out early. The debates were fair. So that whoever the voters choose, not the RNC chooses, because we don't choose, the voters choose, whoever they choose to be our nominee, that we can rally around it and say that the process was done in a fair way. Ronna McDaniel is with us. I want to stay on your history just a little bit longer sure. because a lot of folks don't know why uh, Donald Trump particularly uh, wanted you to uh, accept the role of RNC chair back when he was elected president and why he's been. I know he stayed neutral. I think some of his folks were working there at, with the RNC with their with their opinion and all that of, you know, who should be reelected. Um, but he's been a strong supporter of yours. And he virtually handpicked you to, or at least asked you to take this job in the very first place. Why did he do that? So, you know, when my uncle Mitt was was the nominee in 2012, um, I very, very strongly, you know, wanted him to come to Michigan post-nomination. And, you know, the D.C. insiders, you know, the D.C. uh, consultant class said, don't go to Michigan. It's a flyover state. Ignore it. So that just motivated me. I had already been a precinct delegate. I was on my state central committee. I'd been a state committee woman and um, I ran for national committee woman. And then I became state party chair and I ran for state party chair in Michigan in 2016 saying we can win the presidency through Michigan. We had no other statewide races, no governor, attorney general, secretary of state, nothing. It was just the presidency at the top of our ticket and then all local races. And I remember when Donald Trump came to Michigan for his first rally I showed up and I said, you can win our state. And let me tell you why. And what I love about President Trump is he listened to the local leaders. He didn't listen to the D.C. consultant class. He listened to me saying, let me tell you what happened with Ross Perot on the ticket. Let me tell you why Michigan's winnable. And he came over and over again. And we won Michigan for the first time in 30 years. And, you know, it wasn't easy, Randy, you know, raising money. The RNC did not invest a ton in Michigan, and I don't blame them because we weren't a battleground state at that time. Ohio and Florida needed a lot more money. So I had to raise it on my own. And I was a stay-at-home mom before that. So I would go into door, you know, offices of business leaders and say, can you give me money? And I get the door slammed in my face. Um, but we worked hard. We raised over $14 million. We put Michigan on the map. And then at the very end, the Trump campaign and the RNC called me and said, you know what, Michigan's in play. We're sending everything your way. And um, But President Trump believed me. You know, this Michigan woman, he called me that woman from Michigan. And he then sure he did. asked me to run the RNC. And and he was very supportive the whole time I was of chair of the RNC and, um, and has continued to be very supportive. Yeah, in fact, um, for my first RNC meeting as a newly elected committee uh, person, you were reelected by acclamation. Uh, yep. basically on Donald Trump's recommendations. I, I, I just don't think people understand that that is where you come from. And you, you mentioned just a moment ago, uh, you know, criticism, Donald Trump not listening to the consult, the D.C. consultant class and something we complain about here in Colorado all the time, the same consultants taking Republicans down the same drive to the middle, mush up your message road to massive losses. You were very critical during our meeting in Dana Point of the consultant class and how we've got to get, you know, better decisions made and, and quit using the same people over and over. Yeah. So, you know, everybody, every consultant can go make millions and then they go, hey, it's the RNC's fault or it's the candidate's fault. The candidates are putting themselves out there, their families, the, the RNC is, we're all working hard and then nobody knows the consultant's name. So, 
one of the things that the RNC's already launched is a future of the party advisory committee made up of former and current um, candidates and elected officials like Blake Masters, like Madison Justioto Gilbert, like John James and, and Michelle Steele. And we're going to create a guidebook for candidates saying this is what you should be paying in your TV by. This is what you should be paying for SMS texting, but also a focus group to help hold these consultants accountable. Um, you know, you get candidates who say, I'm going to give this consultant 18% of my TV buy. Guess what? The consultant says, let's put everything on TV because I'm making more money if you're on TV. And we ignore the grassroots part of it, the volunteer building, the SMS texting, the digital, the mail portion, because more of the money's on TV. And that's not all consultants. There's some really good consultants, but they go nameless and blameless. And I've seen this for the past several years. And I think this is something that, that I am committed to, that we've got to start holding um, them accountable and helping protect our candidates. Well said, and uh, I am so with you on that. Here in Colorado, it has been an absolute disaster. So I don't know what your time is like. I'm going to push this break, so I don't want you to have to sit through some commercials. I've got a few more questions and things I'd like to make sure people hear from you about the successes under your watch at the RNC. Do you have a few more minutes with us? Sure. Yep, I sure can. Here is a text message from a listener. Very common thing that I hear um, from at Tea Party meetings, at Republican events where I'm speaking or whatever. My biggest issue with the RNC, Mitch McConnell withholding funds to Republican candidates, you know, referring to pulling out a Blake Masters in Arizona or away from someone in uh, Nevada or elsewhere. Um, what's your response when you hear people ascribe that behavior or those actions to the RNC? Yeah, there's a lot of confusion on that, right? So the RNC is what's called a hard dollar committee. So the most I can take from any given donor, and I know it sounds like a lot, is 365000 Mitch McConnell has a different organization that raises money for Senate candidates called SLF. It's an outside group. They can take a $10 million check. So most of the money in the p political ecosystem is going to these outside groups, SLF, CLF, the RNC does not interface with those groups at all. We can't. We legally can't. So I don't give money to SLF. We don't raise money, and we're not part of those decisions. The RNC also doesn't do TV. So we weren't pulling out of any of these races. We're building the ground game to turn out the vote. And I think one of the things that gets overlooked from this past election is the RNC, like I said, we built the infrastructure to turn out the vote. Four million more Republicans turned out this election cycle than the Democrats. We actually would have won the Electoral College based on our turnout. We had the top vote getter in Arizona, Georgia, and New Hampshire. Those are three states that were not on the map for us in 2020, and we would have won electorally by 297. So when we're the turnout the vote mechanism and we turn out 4 million more voters, I know the road worked. Now, why every car didn't get across the finish line, I think you've got to look at that. And I'm not candidate blaming. I'm saying we've got to look at why did one candidate appeal to independence and one didn't? Or why did this one get the top vote in Arizona or Nevada or New Hampshire and this one didn't? And those are the things we've got to go back to the drawing board on for 2024. People don't realize that, uh, and, and, and they wouldn't know. I mean, those people don't get the RNC, you know, the daily emails or the uh, or follow closely to all of the press information that goes out. But you had one goal and one goal only when you, um, when you accepted by acclamation leadership of the RNC for your last term. And what was that goal? 
to, 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 to flip the, ha- back well, the house. To flip the house, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, to win back the house. There was yeah. no, no presidential. The Senate map yep. was awful for Republicans, something yep. like 13 Democrat seats being defended. Well, not something like, these are the numbers, 13 Tw- Democrats 21, and 21 yeah. Republicans. Yep. That flips completely 10 Republicans and 23 or 24 Democrat seats, 22 or 23 In Democrats. 24. Yeah. It's some years it's 33, some years it's 34 seats. So it's such a great year for Republicans moving ahead. And then we have the Democrats performing like the worst Democrats in history. We do. I mean, we we had a mission statement at the RNC, which was win back the House and fight for the Senate. So our first investments were for the House, 100 percent. So our community centers, we wanted to win the Senate, too, but we had to make sure we won back the House. And we did. And it started in 2020 when we picked up 14 seats that nobody expected us to win. And then it ended in 2022. So that Delta was about 30 seats in the two cycles. And we need to, we will win back the Senate in 2024 with West Virginia, Ohio, Montana, and Arizona being up. I think we will. There's a pl- plenty of other seats. Nevada comes back into play. But um, the map flips completely. 2022 was a tough year on the Senate side for us. Without a doubt. And so I guess in the time we have remaining, and we're going to have to end it here pretty quickly, but looking back, is there, are there one or two things that you would – I know you've got an entire committee looking at the elections, the actual numbers, the real data uh, to help adjust moving forward. Uh, but looking back just instinctively, the experience that you've had, what would you do different? And then looking ahead, what are you most excited about? Well, I think we have to build on the election integrity, the – the community centers and the voter rights. We have to do all three of those things. But there's things that we have to reach out to young voters. We've got to start getting in their faces more through social media, through influencers, find a way to get conservative messaging to them, um, and then independence, and then women, young women under 30. There's some really interesting articles about Roe v. Wade and the Dobbs decision. And it's not that we should walk away from being pro-life. It's that we need to stand up and talk about who we are and why we are and talk about the Democrats' extremeness on this issue. Uh, You know, they are for gender-selected abortions. They are for abortions on a baby's due date, on its birthday. That is out of step with the civilized world. And we need to push back on the Democrats on that. It's interesting. A lot of the consultants told our candidates, just ignore that issue, don't talk about it. But when they're spending $30 million on lies against you, if you don't fight back, that lie becomes the truth. And that's going to be a big issue in 2024. You know, Colorado has some of the most pervasive abortion laws in the country. Yet when I was there campaigning for your governor and your senator and, and Barb Kirkmeyer, every ad on TV was about abortion. And that's what Democrats are going to go into 2024 talking about. So we've got to be ready for that. Um, and have our candidates ready to put the Democrats on the defense. You mentioned, and my producer is going to kill me, but I don't care. The uh, You mentioned election integrity. Folks do not realize how much work, how much litigation, and why our hands were tied behind our back as an RNC until recently. Uh, why don't you toss out those numbers very quickly? Sure, real quick. So we were under a legal order that we weren't allowed to do anything on election operations for 40 years. We came out of that after the 2020 election. So what did we do? We got to work. We had over 91 lawsuits dealing with election integrity. And then we recruited 80,000 poll workers and poll watchers. And we've got to ramp that up for 2024. We're already working on ways to keep those individuals engaged, uh, getting engaged with cleaning up voter rolls and other things. But again, the RNC is limited legally. I can only take 100000 per donor per year into my legal fund. That's why people on the outside that are doing this work 
are really, really critical, but we've got to hold them accountable. If they're going to take your dollars, hold them to the same standard you hold the RNC to. I want you to know one of the most profound moments of the last meeting for me, and this has happened a couple of times now, is when you put up an example of some consultant-paid Republican ad, we watch 30 seconds, and then you pop up somebody like uh, Raphael Warnock walking his dog and looking into the camera. Uh, You know, he looks like the kind of grandpa you'd like to welcome into your home. And I just want to encourage you, we've got to retrain or get new consultants or get new people to understand that this advertising that touches people's hearts um, does a whole lot, is a lot more effective than the kind of junk that you showed us that that consultants were putting out for some of our candidates. I agree. And, you know, the ads are critical. RNC doesn't do TV. Um, And that's why I always say, Randy, the very first place you can give is to a candidate. The best place to give is to a candidate. They get a 33% discount on TV, and it's so critical that they get their message across. But it has to be a good message that matters, that touches people. And I think our consultant class needs to be known and held accountable if they're putting bad ads, ads out. I keep saying last question. This is absolutely the last question. Okay. A very important email that somebody sent to me. Um, can you work with Ronna McDaniel since she knows that you voted against her? What's your answer to a question like that? Absolutely. I mean, I, I, we, I, first of all, I hope you can, Randy. I guess you can answer that question. But uh, I, we got to work with everybody. I talked to Harmeet last week. I reached out to Mike Lindell. He was doing Jimmy Kimmel, so I'll probably talk to him this week. But we need everybody. You guys, this is our country. You, we have so much in common. Our values are so in common. We can't afford to be cutting people off for, for, for little differences like not voting for you in Well, you, you came up to me and you said, look, I appreciated your honesty. You were forthright. You yeah. didn't make up stuff. You, you pushed back on things that weren't true. And, of course, we can have different uh, choices in, in our leadership elections, but, um, but that should not stop us from coming together. I intend to work my butt off for 2024, and I know you are, man. You, you've never stopped doing that. So thank you so much for the generosity of your time. I know we took you long, but I think it's helpful to get all this on the record, and we'll have you back sometime soon if you will. Appreciate it. Thanks, Randy. Have a great night. God bless. RNC Chairwoman Ronna McDaniel. we got to jump to the break. We'll do it right now. Stay with us here, 710 KNUS. I just love it. You know, that is an anti-red, anti-con. It's a war song. And it talks about uh, big money and, and presidents and everything else. So it really fits into this very interesting weekend we've had as the Chinese balloon drifted across America unmolested all the way across the country. Just remarkable. I really want to thank Ronna McDaniel. You know, you usually grab somebody with that high of a profile for 10 or 15 minutes it's a Saturday night. She's a she's a mom. She's got children who are in school and a husband and and an awful lot going on, as you can well imagine. And we just went on and on and on with her for listeners. You know, some of that information comes at you pretty fast. And for folks who don't, you know, especially if you're newer to politics or just didn't understand the significance of those four million 
popular votes more that Republicans got than Democrats in 2022 when she said we would have won the Electoral College by 297 uh, with 297 votes. It's 270, I think, is the magic number to win the presidency. Uh, That's what she's talking about with the states that we won with more votes than Democrats, even though we lost some of the individual races, big ones, too, within that state would have been a presidential victory in 2022. It's huge. And, you know, we increased voter registration by 35,000 over Democrats in Arizona since 2020. In 2016, Democrats held a 330,000 voter registration advantage. Today, Republicans outnumber Democrats by 290,000 registered voters. Part of that because of the cleanup that Ron DeSantis has done on the election operations in Florida. You hear the nonsense about Colorado being the gold standard. Even from Republicans, Republicans that I like, Republicans that I've admired, worked with in the past, they just don't get it. Uh, Look to Florida to see just how important and how valuable all of that was. Going back to the balloon thing, though, did you hear some of the Pentagon nonsense that came out over the weekend? So as I mentioned, we'll continue to monitor it. Uh, Right now, we assess that it will probably be over the United States for a few, few days. Um, but we'll continue to monitor, review our options, and keep you updated as, as we can. Yeah, it'll just probably be hanging out up there. Uh, I know I know. this morning Peter was on. He said, you know, I believe the Chinese. It's just a, a weather balloon. It got off track, blown off track by the winds. thing had three school bus-sized information-gathering panels on the front of it, including cameras and and other And, you know, if it is a weather balloon, we should find out, right? They shot it down. It went down in the Atlantic. Um, I'm assuming they'll recover it. If I were the Chinese and and I had equipment floating around that could accidentally drift over, you know, their number one enemy, the United States of America, I'd probably have it designed so we could push a button and it would self-destruct. You remember the old Mission Impossible days, right? But why would you trust the Chinese? Ah, that's just what they said. No, I've heard nobody talk about electromagnetic pulse devices that would fit into a balloon that size. A balloon at that height is the perfect method for delivering an EMP. And we got to get Frank Gaffney on here to talk about this. Won't be today because we're packed. An EMP detonated over the Atlantic seaboard, for instance, would take out probably about 75% of the electrical generation potential and power of the United States. An EMP device exploded would stop your car, your modern car in your tra- in its tracks. If you had an old car with points and spark plugs, you could keep driving. If you had anything with electronic ignition or especially the modern technology, it would go out. Planes would fall from the air if an EMP device was detonated in our atmosphere. Now, that would probably be the end of China. I don't expect that they would do it. But man, oh man, why would you just take the chance and let that bad boy drift? It makes no sense to me at all. But at least we've got the Pentagon. This, Both of these clips are from a highly decorated military officer. I can't read the ranks from all the glitz, but listen to this. Position of the balloon classified? Uh, Phil, right now uh, what we're not going to do is get into a hour-by-hour location of the balloon. Again, we're monitoring it closely. Uh, I, as I mentioned right now, it's over the 
center of the continental United States. That's about as specific as I'm going to get. But I understand I'm being convenient, but does the public not have a right to know? If uh, the, the public is over certainly their state? has the ability to look up in the sky and and see where the balloon is. The public certainly has the ability to look up in the sky and see where the balloon is. That is from your Pentagon. Joe Biden's military leaders. It's disgusting. Donald Trump took no time coming out and saying, shoot it down. I I wouldn't have said shoot it down. I'd have said pull it down. Keep it intact. Bring it down to the ground so we can analyze it. Reverse engineer it. Chinese have been stealing our technology for decades. And now it was just an accident. Just a weather balloon coming over. Absolute nonsense. Listen, I was not kidding at the start of the show, and when I was talking with Ronna McDaniel, I will have the first official challenger to Donald J. Trump, Republican, running for president, a serious contender. I'll tell you who he is, but you've got to stick around. GOP competition, it's next on 710. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.